Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always to discuss the highs, the lows, the beauty, the joy, the pain, the terror of women's cycling is my good friend Sarah. How are you Sarah? I'm good. Oh, I'm sad. The road season is over. We're about to kind of close down our podcasting schedule for the winter. And yeah, but looking back, there were so many good things this year, Dan. There is, there is. It's weird, isn't it? It's kind of, it, it's it's an odd sort of thing because, you know, there's like a little bit of road hibernation, but then it, like here in Australia, the a lot of, lot of the pros are sort of just started to pick back up and start their training schedules again because the off season is done because now they're preparing for all the summer racing down here. Um, mm. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, like even so, like as we were preparing for for this week's show, I was just looking back at all the stuff of the year and it's been a it's been a really big year. It's been amazing and that's what this week's show is about, dear listener. We are gonna talk about our favourite our highs and lows of the twenty fourteen road cycling season. And yeah, um traditionally this may go on for quite a while. If it does we'll divide it into two because we're nice like that. But yeah, we'll try to be snappy. Well, you know, no problem. We'll try, but we're not going to try that hard. Like, you know, <laughs> we'll see how long it goes. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, so, 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 I mean, in, what we normally do is we kind of do, don't do this in any order. We'll take it in turns, Dan and me, to say, oh, things that we like, things we didn't like, things that we got carried away by and we'll just carry on we of course can't cover everything these are just some random these are our favorite things like we yep. we, we don't go come up with three or four highs each but that's like, also that's also why we love it when you beat us up on twitter or or post on you know an appropriate website sarah do you by any chance know the url of a website people could go to to leave a comment oh i suppose they could come to our website dan pro or they could talk to you on Twitter and tell you you're wrong at Dan W Official. Or they could come to Twitter and tell me I'm always right at underscore pigeons underscore. You know what? It's interesting how few people do tell me that I'm wrong. I mean, you know, quite often they're telling me that you've got better contacts than me, you're nicer than me, you're smarter than me. But they're not often telling me that I'm wrong. You know what? I'll take that. I'll live with that. Fair enough. It sounds like a fair deal to me. I mean, yeah. the obvious rejoinder, really, and I'm a little disappointed, is that you should have been going back with, well, yes, dear, I'm smart enough to know that they are telling you you're wrong and you're not. And fucking... But anyway, that's all right. Next time. You'll get it next time. Well done. Yeah, um, when you do tell Dan you're wrong, make sure you at me in because he won't, he won't tell me by himself. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's literally never happened. Never. So, Daniel, 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 um, we're going to start with you. What was one of your favourite things from the road cycling season of 2014? Okay, well, I've kind of got two broad categories because I've got, I've got stuff that's specific to races, but also I've got stuff that's a bit more general. But I'll start with, with race-specific stuff. Um, and I'm going to start with one of the spring classics, which was, uh, for me, uh, the Ronde van Flandern. Just fucking cool, man. Oh, that was great. Oh, it feels so long ago, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, honestly, like, I keep having to catch myself because I keep wanting to say last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't. 
obviously, but it's just it's just one of those things. But yeah, I mean, it was such a good race, and I mean, I love Ellen as the winner, great winner. Um, and also, we were getting some really cool blogs at the time out of it too. You know, we got great write-ups from um, um, Chloe Hosking, um, uh, Emma Johansson in the Orica Race Report. Her comments were super interesting because she was oh, just so really were. honest about, you know, what she was thinking with different moves and, and, you know, that critical decision where she chose to wait when Ellen went. And... Oh, my God. Should we, should, we, should we just remind people, if you forgot the Ronde van Vlaanderen and the, the, the Tour of Flanders, basically it's it's a pretty much the, it's a shorter course than the men's, but it's the same major climbs. And mm. um, it, it had got it, – it's very attritional. It's a road world cup. All these races tend – you know, very, very, very attritional. It came down to a select small group – that had Ellen van Dyke, her teammate Lizzie Armitstead, who had won the Ronde van Drenthe um, and come second in the previous World, World Cup, the Trofeo Binda, and uh, Emma Johansson, Elisa Longo Borghini, uh, Tiff Cromwell, uh, riders like that. Yeah. And Ellen attacked with three climbs to go, um, between uh, three climbs to go, and and you generally don't think of Ellen as a climber, um, and they had the Paterberg to come, for example, um, and and there was this amazing bit where Emma Johansson said that when Ellen went, she hesitated because she thought. Oh, there was a couple of Rabo banks. I think it was Anna van der Breggen. Uh, yeah, and, and she said Rabo had just been quite active on the front, so she was Rabo totally was expecting them to. Talking. Yeah, so she was totally expecting them to to jump and shut it down, and they didn't. And it was like, and oh. she was like, she didn't want to jump and shut it down because she didn't want to. Um, because she didn't yeah. want to to, 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 to to Because you know, you had that classic thing of Ellen and her teammate Lizzie. You you chase Ellen. You have Lizzie. Yeah, you, then Lizzie's you, just ready to, to to jump and and yeah, oh, it was gorgeous. And so what happened is 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 Ellen's allowed to get away, but she isn't. But she's actually, I mean, Ellen's you know world champion time trialer of 2013. But she and and so eventually when when this when Emma Johansson did go, it was Emma, um, Elisa Longo Borghini and Lizzie Armitstead just sitting on and laughing. Yeah, basically, basically, and because, um and and just you know prime position like, like yeah because yeah. you know they catch they catch ellen great lizzie goes they don't catch ellen great lizzie sprints for second and ironically enough that's exactly what happened and it was so and it was a very exciting race and i think one of the things that makes it really really good is because we were we were watching it watching watching in inverted commas we were watching it on twitter and watching it unfold on Twitter is actually a really exciting way to follow a race. But because we've got the good UC, because the UCI have upped their game in terms of coverage, we actually got to see a bit more of how the race went, including Ellen's particularly. I'm, I'm, I'm not teasing her because I'm not being mean, but she. But by the time she was on that last climb, she was struggling up that climb. She wasn't yeah. going looking like a graceful climber. She was just going over for, for getting over the top of that climb as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and so yeah, it was just like for me. That's everything that you want out of a spring classic, you know. I mean, tons of cobbles, attritional, murderous, you know, exciting opportunities, you know, critical decisions that that make or break a race, and and all of that sort of stuff. But then also some just awesome awesome comments afterwards, like Ellen's um, tweet after the race, you know, where she was like, "Did I really win Flanders today? Am I really going to the podium ceremony with Cancellara? Hope no one wakes me up." <laughs> You know. Oh, Ellen was just so I, 
I've just got so much time for Ellen Van Dyke. And um, I've got a little smug moment because I, this, what I did this spring was rather than do race previews on Podium Cafe, I interviewed riders and asked them to preview the race for me. And I asked Ellen Van Dyke to preview Flanders for me. <laughs> <laughs> that did kick off actually from memory. Was it that or was it um, Binder where, where, uh, somewhere around there, it sort of kicked off our our whole 2014 Sarah's Sarah's interview request effect. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, to be fair, that's been going on for years. But yes, I did interview. No, no, Emma. I said 2014 version. I was specific to yeah. this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did interview Emma Johansson. Oh no, I interviewed Kirsten Field before she won Qatar. Oh but, yeah, but I mean, come on, a thousand monkeys at a thousand typewriters could make that pick. And I interviewed Emma Johansson just before she won Binder, um, which was her first World Cup win since 2009. Mm. And I interviewed Emma Pooley um, just before she won the uh, won, won her stages at the Giro Rossa. So there you have it, folks. Proof positive that Sarah is the voodoo queen of cycling. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just quickly, my other favourite post-race tweet from from that particular race was um, one from Orica where they quoted um, Luce Hodevijk. Um Do you remember that one? Where no, no, she really. was like, "I died ten times <laughs> the last time I put Emma in position around 100k, and that was all I had." It <laughs> sums up a domestic's role in that sort of a race really well, doesn't it? I yeah, died yeah. ten times. <laughs> I wasn't that the one. Wasn't that the one where Spratty broke her collarbone? Um, yeah, yeah. So she had that horrible accident, broke her collarbone, and Orica were, you know, um, yeah, yeah, um, scrabbling yeah. around to, to work out what they could do. So mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But, I mean, okay, so that's your number one, and it kind of ties in nicely with my number one, which may be a bit of a cheat, which is the World Cup. I loved how the road world cup played out this year it was up to nine rounds after eight rounds last year and i mean i was a little bit cynical about some things because the uci changed they've changed they changed the rules to try to avoid mariana voss winning um i i only say that because voss was involved in changing the rules um so yeah but, it's, um, it's not because you're unusually fond of conspiracy theories no, I. But I. It was just there was all the races were so good, and we got to see so many of them on TV because I mean, obviously, we we usually get Drenta, the first Ronda Run Drenta, the first round, um, televised free on the last part of it on Dutch TV, and then the Trofeo Alfreda Binder is traditionally shown on Right Two, which you may have to kind of pretend you live in Italy to watch, but it's still great. <laughs> And then, and then, and then the last two rounds were streamed live too. And Plue often, well, the last part of Plue often is GP Plue often is. And the Open to Swedvogorda was streamed on uh, Swedish television. So the UCI did a deal with the TV companies that Vigorda and Plue would be also streamed on their YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which was great. So you know we and well, yeah, and, 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 and the videos. From the UCI, the the that came out, you know, you have your little short video that comes out straight away on the same, you know, within 24 hours, which is highlights, and then you have your 26 minute video commentated by Rochelle Gilmore within a week. So it really felt, you know, it felt like we could see a lot. Well, that was that was one of my highlights. Absolutely, was just the sheer amount of video we got this year, and and I hope that that trend continues uh, coming into the next year that that we get more. 
Oh my goodness, yes. And I mean, it was a bit weird because in Britain we had four live women's races within five weeks. I know, that was that was like mayhem. It was almost, in a way, and I, I mean, you know, bear in mind, I don't mean this literally true, but in a way it almost felt like too much. Like it was more racing than I knew what to do with at some Actually, place. I'm lying, I'm lying. It's not four races in five weeks. It's five races within six weeks. Oh, see? Because we had, of course, the Commonwealth Games road race, which was an amazing race to watch. Um the Prudential Ride, the GP, the Prudential um, Ride London, which is a crit, but it was live on BBC Two, and then the Open to Swedvigoda and the Plouay World Cups. Spoiled, I mean, literally... spoiled. That's what you were. No, I really was, and it and it actually got to the interesting stage where you're like, actually, this is the future. It's going to be where I just start missing races. Because... Yeah, well, well, where you start not actually being able to watch them because you you and just can't fantastic. watch them all. Oh yeah, and, totally. And you know, the, and this was a this was across. Um, the course was shown by ITV and Eurosport. Commies and the Prudential Ride London Classic were on. Were on the BBC, and then the Gorda and Plue were on the YouTube channel. And that's the other thing that's really interesting is. It doesn't feel like just one media platform is up their game. It feels like everything, mm, mm. and. And it was like this throughout the year, you know, there was so much, there were so many races that we got to watch. And obviously we always get an hour a day of the Giro Rossa, the Women's Grand Tour, um, which you have to pretend to be in Italy to see, but that's not too hard. Um, and, and, but we also got, you know, the thing to Energy Water with their 15 minutes of cycling. And then the American races, like, oh God, it was, I know it was one of your highlights, but one of my lowlights, the Philly Classic. <laughs> well, I do love that race. I mean, it's just fun. no. I love the race. I just thought that I, you thought the coverage was better than I did. Well, which I find ironic from someone who loves helmet cam as much as you do, even when it's pointing at the ground and you can't see a goddamn thing. Um, but you know, I, I think I think it's probably safer if we agree to disagree about. Well, who was it? Jim, the cameraman. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was fucking scared, man, and he wasn't afraid to say it, but he did it anyway. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I just, you know, there are there are camera people in the USA who've done this, who've done this actually once. But I mean, the Americans. But they were they were all working for um, the tour of California, weren't they? With their their detailed women's coverage. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the, that, the, that the, was the sound of me stirring the pot. <laughs> yeah, you're baiting the hook again. Dan has pointed out on many occasions that I am the type of person who I can sit and watch him bait the hook, watch him drop it into the water, and I'll still bite. I think what, the way I actually described it, I said, I can bait the hook right in front of you, throw it into the water, and point it and go, look, there's a hook with bait on it, and you'll still bite. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm difficult. <laughs> It makes you happy. It um, makes me very happy. I'm easily amused. But but the American, I mean, I was so excited. But it was Redlands, wasn't it, that had the really homemade on an iPhone coverage, and I think we saw some really exciting ways of of streaming. Yeah, because... and and look, I think that's probably my broader point about Philly too. Is not so much that that coverage itself was perfect, but just. I, I do genuinely applaud. And I think those races like Redlands and Philly are a little more flexible in terms of allowing organisers a bit of leeway, um, oh, yeah. you know, to, to experiment with things. And I do oh, genuinely I... applaud the effort, you know. 
I'm not dissing. I'm never going to diss Redlands because in Redlands they were they were actually saying right from the start, we're trying something new. We're trying to see if this works. Mm. And it took them a while. I, it might not have been Redlands. It might be another race. I'm really sorry. Um, but you know, they, but they proved that it could be done. And for example, with the Paralympic, with the Paracycling Road Road World Championships, they did that as well. And there's something about what American races are doing. And I think part of it is that with the American races, for example, the USA Crits. To be in the USA Crits program, you've got to sort out live coverage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's like and but 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 there's. I'm There's always so- mindful of what Helen Wyman told us when we first interviewed her about how much she loves racing in the US because it does have that whole youthful, well, why can't we do it that way kind of attitude, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not just I mean it's not just the states. I mean we said Vagorda was um, streamed live was streamed live this year, but one of the reasons it was streamed live this year is because for the last couple of years they've been doing some really innovative homemade footage stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you know I absolutely love the years where the Open Disquiet Vagorda had a live ticker and a radio broadcast and a live ticker in English, um, radio broadcast in Swedish and a fixed camera on the edge of the laps because it's something like 13 or 11 laps. Yeah, and then last year they kind of upped that to kind of have a camera on the climb and on the ends and on the start finish line mm-hmm. which they were cutting between and as a result they demonstrated that there's an audience for this and so Swedish TV picked it up and as a as a you know because the Swedish TV was streaming it the UCI did a deal to stream it as well yeah which was fantastic and it, it's interesting because that's also been a race that um you know, we we try to watch a couple of races a year together, um, which isn't always easy, time zones being what they are, um, and you're refusing to move to the good hemisphere. Um, but but it, it's interesting because that was one of the ones that we always tried to watch together because even when it was, as you say, just that fixed camera, the, the finish line and the, the ticker, you could... You could see everything that was going on. So, you know, we'd fire up Skype and, and chat while the, the race is on. And it's been really kind of nice as we've built that tradition up to, to see the coverage of the race grow as well. And I, I just, I, one of my pleasures of that race this year was both of us going, oh, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there was, because, you know, we're so used to seeing the beginning, you know, the kind of these, these key bits. Yeah. But especially the bits where you run through the town, because it's even more technical than you think. It's mm, basically mm. got this like weird, you know, high high corners, high tight turns. Yeah, you know. yeah. And then you go from you know, sort of like um, dual carriageway, sort of like full width road to a, a bit through a, you know, n- not a not a not a British hedgy lane, but like a lane, like a much smaller bit of bit of tarmac, you know, and mm. and stuff like that. And and then I think there were two laps where we were trying to work out whether something was a fire station or not. Yeah, that was fun. I do like. <laughs> And, 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 admiring, and admiring the fixed camera, which had the great um, angle for, for putting sponsors' banners on. Yeah, yeah, they worked that out well. Oh, talk about yeah, return on investment. Yeah. Well done. Tons and tons of sponsors' banners. on. Anyway, so yeah, so the World Cup was one of my favourites um, just because, you know, we had uh, nine races and nine different winners. Which is awesome, um, you know. And but they just—they were just such beautiful races. They were run. They were all. The World Cup is always really exciting, and you know the, the China, the Trofeo Binder is always sprinty, and Sparkas and Giro is sprinty too. But the other races were just non-stop attack fests, just exactly what you imagine, you know, women's women's cycling to be, just endless attacking and fun things and trying yeah. and you know. 
Rabobank trying all the way through Drenta and Binder and Flanders to win and just not pulling it off until Flesh. Yeah, yeah. But then but then Flesh won by Paulina Fram Prevot in that in that sprint up the Mur de Hui. And which she she'd been coached by Mariana Voss. Mar- Voss has won yeah, this yeah. five times. It's Voss's first race back of the season practically and on the road. And Voss had coached her and told her, You don't sprint on the moor until you can see the finish line. You hold something back until you see the finish line. And just Pauline's happiness, but Voss, I think she finished seventh or sixth. Yeah, but you can yeah. see her on the video. She's she's finishing that steep pass of the, of, the, of Binder, having someone's told her that she's just seen that Pauline's won. So she's finishing her race with you know one arm in the air, yeah, yelling. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> so happy. Yeah. Crossing the line, yelling. You know, cross, cresting the hill. Like the first thing you can see is like the top of her hand, go, her fist pumping the air. You're like, shit, man, you're still riding up the murder way. <laughs> And you're reenacting the final scene from Breakfast Club. That's insane. I don't. No. Uh, yeah. Anyway. No, she wasn't um, doing that. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. no, no. She wasn't doing that. Um, but yes. So yeah, just just lovely, and and especially for Pauline to win, which segues into one of my other favourite bits. But do you want to take a go first? Oh well. Is there anything I, else you want to say I, about TV? No, 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 um, no, no. That that was that was my video highlight as well. It was kind of nicely covered two for one there. Well done. No, the next thing I was going to mention is something that I'm sure is on your list too. But you know, I'll it's my turn, so I'll snag it, and then you can go. Oh my god, yes. Okay, so brace yourself. Yeah. Um. The uh. Now I'm going to get the name wrong, but the Friends Life Women's Tour. Oh, yeah, the Women's Tour of Britain. Yeah. We're about to call it that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're not allowed to call it that, but you know, but you know, for those who who may not have have caught it earlier this year, this was a new race in the UK, stage race um, that started this year for the first time, organised by Sweet Spot, who also organised uh, several other races of note, um, and it was just fucking brilliant, to be honest. Oh, you see, I have um, I was working on the race for Sweet Spot doing their twitter doing their live updates for twitter so yeah i'm i kind of i i don't know maybe so you declare your your potential bias but still but still it was just oh my god it was just i was so i saw the race from the front car yeah from the from the race not jealous not jealous not jealous the race commissaire's car with the race with with two with both the race radios so the actual official race radio and also the um you know the kind of the the race organizers radio as well and so i didn't get to see the racing but i got to experience the racing and what i really got to experience was how many people showed up on the side of the road and the pure ab Anyone who ever says, and people have said this to me on Twitter all week because there's been this thing about the BBC, you know, the BBC's published a thing about equal prize money um, across sports. Right. And it's kind of brought out a whole load of people going, oh, but women don't deserve prize money. No one watches women's sports. And I'm like, hang on a minute. How can you say, and no one watches women's cycling? And you're like, literally, it was just, it was, it was, it was. I, there were just people everywhere, every roundabout, every pub, every you know, and it was raining. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. This was it, on a. So it started on the Wednesday. And, and Wednesday, and Thursday, honestly, Friday. I refuse. I refuse in a country that that televises darts and snooker 
to believe that no one watches women's cycling. No, but you saw it, and it was just like literally people, if we went past an office, the whole office was out. If we went past a, a roundabout, there were people waiting on roundabouts. I wish that people. someone would put a race on outside my office every day. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but it was just, oh, I, I, it was amazing. And, and they, you know, they got, they got, um, it was just, people everywhere it was you know it was olympic levels of spectators yeah. and people yeah. loved it and people just loved the racing and and sweet spot said it was interesting because on when they run the men's tour of britain the twitter they get they get a very high proportion of people bitching at them on twitter on facebook on social oh, media really? on email stuff yeah you know why did you close the road this is rubbish uh, rubbish 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 and they're like no everyone's just positive about this race and it was exciting racing it was you yeah. know the, it had t you know an hour it had an hour of tv every night which i watched in the bar of the hotel where half the teams were staying so it was <laughs> jammed with uh, team staff and nice. which way to watch a race yeah I'm, I'm sure that's probably the best way to watch a race but i mean even here on you know quite literally the other side of the world you know you could just tell from the the media that was coming out from the race the quality of it the riders i would say were almost bewildered at how well it was run and how well they were taken care of and and the crowds as you say like just it it was now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it almost got kind of competitive between the different local towns as to who could get more people out. Yes, 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 they really went for it. And, and yeah, they really, really went for it. I mean, and, and Sweet Spot had done a lot of work, and they'd especially done a lot of work with school kids. So so any school in the nearby vicinity rocked up. And, and I think, you know, teams like Matrix Velpine had gone into schools to talk to the kids. And, you know, there was one school mm. where they'd made a sign for every different team. Aww. So different kids were like you know so so they just went past it and there were amazing things so it went through the village that lucy garner's from and wow. i think everyone, everyone in the village had just taken the day off work oh you <laughs> would wouldn't you surely you would yeah. hey so so looking ahead to next year do do you know what the race route's going to be like yeah, well, they're going to be sticking to it, it. They're going to be sticking to pretty much the same the same areas. Um, one of the criticisms was it wasn't it doesn't have very mountainous areas, so they picked this, but it went through five or six different counties. So it's not like people. It's a small area. It's not a small area. It's five or six different counties, man, and um, it's 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 not and it's not flat that was the interesting thing is that like is is while it didn't have big climbs it it wasn't flat at all you know mm. what i mean it just mm. up and down all the way very heavy roads but they put it in the south of england the southeast of england um for a you know a it was where people wanted it but b it was clever for the first year they were running it they wanted it to be um you know, close to easy for people to come across because you yeah, know they're they're, yeah. they're asking teams to take a risk on this race that's never been what never been run before. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So one of the one of the places was one of the one of the um one of the places that the start towns was Harwich, which is the ferry port. You know, the big ferry port coming over from uh, the Netherlands, for example. Oh, okay, right, right. So you know, and they did deals oh, with the well, ferry that's company. that's really smart. Yeah, you know, just jump on the ferry. Yeah, come Harwich. The borough, the borough of Tendring became a province of the Netherlands for a week. 
Well, you know, you've had a Dutch king for forever and stuff too. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We are. Yeah, we, yeah, we had. You know, um, yeah, we, we we were run by the Dutch for a bit, but no, they became um, they became a province of the Netherlands for 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 a week. Okay. You know, to celebrate to celebrate the um the as, business as you do. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so cool, and and that was the other thing is Harry wasn't a nice. You know, like how sometimes races. You know, this the, the the first start was in this beautiful village, picture perfect. But actually, Harry isn't isn't like an, a a beautifully attractive place. It's like this this typical um, rundown British seaside town. And I love that the race went to places like that as well. It wasn't just about you know de- like you know the, the the private schools that were out on the streets of the yeah. first you know. But it was also about they had this really clear goal of of inspiring kids to get more active um, in any kind of sport, but also making more of an effort in the places where they needed to make an effort. Yep, yep. Like it was just lovely. So anyway, so they're going to be around the same sort of area again next year okay. because we did a, because you know it's a nice reward for those areas. Oh yeah, as well. absolutely, absolutely. And they've they've helped make the first one a success. I do quite selfishly hope though that say in two thousand and sixteen that you know some of the race is a little further north. So. Yeah, they are. I mean, I think they are trying to get a bit. Yes, I mean that's their plan. That's their long-term goal. You know, I, I interviewed Guy um, Guy Elliott about who who worked on the race um, before about it, and yeah, that that's the long-term goal. But you know, the other thing is is that, that originally they just they've made um you know they've made they've made a deal with these places, and they want to reward those places for for having yeah, faith. Absolutely. So, oh, such good racing. Mm-hmm. So good. So good, and it's so exciting and. And you know, there's a photo that Guy keeps tweeting, which is the finish line of the penultimate stage, where it's completely jam-packed. You know, people are completely packing the pavements. They're leaning out into the road, and he's and he and he captions it. Um, Tell me again how people don't like women's sport. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and and if you look closely, you can just see um, at the bottom of the photo he's giving the finger to anyone who thinks that. So yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. it's just. It's just fantastic. It makes me well, really, really happy. This was actually a two-parter for me, but you know the, the second part's pretty closely related. In that, um, the, the link is another another new race for the year, which was La Course. Um, you know, and and again, just a, a nice big event that showcased women's cycling to the world. You know, and and well done. And I look forward yeah. to seeing that grow. Mm-hmm. You see, you say that, but I don't count Lacourse as one of my highlights of the year. Why not? Well, it was less than. I mean, it was. I like I, the ASO. So the ASO put on Lacourse because there was a big pressure last year from um for Latour from the group Latour NTA, which was set up by Emma Pooley and Catherine Bertine and involved Mariana Voss and traffic Chrissy Wellington, where they put on a a a, a, a um. A petition? A petition to get a women's Tour de France. And so Le Course was born as a and it was and it was sold as a women's race on the Champs Elysees, which got me really excited. You know, I want to see it on the last day of the Tour de France, but I worried it would be a bit of a sideshow. And the things that bothered me is the race was less than a hundred kilometers long, man. You know? It's it's a, it's always going to be a hard course to race on because it's very 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 wide roads, yeah. Mm. So it so positioning and stuff like that becomes easier. But but when you're less than a hundred kilometers long, it means it means that you just don't get the chance to kind of. There were lots and lots of attacks and lots of attempts to get away and some mini you know mini breaks and stuff. 
but I just it, it just could have been a couple of laps longer for me. Oh you yeah, know, absolutely. I, I and I, I, I would I would gladly welcome that. But you know, my my point more, and the reason I'm including it as one of my highlights is more just that I welcome it as a new entry and look forward to it evolving and continuing well, yeah. to improve. But the other thing, I mean, the TV as well, the TV coverage, I mean, it was live, which was amazing, but I swear there was as many overhead shots of Paris as there were shots of the racers, because as, you know, we only got to see 45 minutes of the race anyway. True. You know, it's, it's, it's a two-hour race. We only got to see 45 minutes of the race anyway. And they kept apologizing for having, for, for, for having camera problems. Now, yeah, but they, they I, always do through the tunnel. Like, that's... No, no, no! It wasn't about the tunnel. It wasn't about the tunnel. Of course, they're going to have. But they were. They they had one of the reasons they had so many overhead shots of Paris looking beautiful is one of their cameras was one of their well either one of their camera bikes or one of their cameras wasn't wasn't working. Their overhead camera wasn't working. They had they they were saying live. Yeah, we're having problems with the feed. We're really sorry. Now, as Jens said, yeah, it could be really difficult when you're you know when you're in the middle of nowhere in a place where you've never televised before to get the TV right. You know, I mean, seriously, this is the Champs-Élysées. How can you possibly not have the TV right on the Champs-Élysées for the last part of the Tour de, last day of the Tour de France? You know, this never happens to the men. It's a fair point. I've got no, I'm not arguing I mean, with that at is, all. I, I, I think, I think, I think the course, the course to me was, was a good, was, it, it, well, as I say, you know, that's that's precisely my point. I'm I'm not, and it's why it was the second of the two that I mentioned, is just that I welcome it as a new race. I look forward to seeing it evolve. Yeah. Now, I, there was something I loved from it, and that was Mariana Voss's on-bike camera from La Course. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it colour me surprised that, um, that you like on-bike camera. I adore on-bike camera. I really, I would not have guessed. Would not have but guessed. I, I, I love like so. It's got this this camera attached to Voss's bike, and Voss moving through the peloton is just mm. spectacular. Oh, it was um, stunning. There's that bit when um when there's that well there isn't that gap on the right, and then suddenly there is, <laughs> and then there's not yeah, again, Voss, and it's insane. It's just Voss moving up. Voss moving up on the right with the pelot- yeah. with the. The barrier on the right and the peloton packed in front of her and you're yeah. like ah! I know, I'm flinching watching it. Like I literally hunched my shoulders and leant away from the barrier while I'm watching it. It was that oh just it's not natural. I swear, I swear her bike is a TARDIS. I swear <laughs> it's true. She folds time and space. But I, I, I loved it and I, I just I think I think the other thing was was you saw you know, you saw her basically steal you was to see how clever she is because they had the specialised Lululemon sprint train and Voss just, just sat behind Lisa Brunauer. <laughs> Poor Lisa <laughs> But you know, Voss just pulling out and winning. And yeah, I mean other bits of bike cam I loved this year was Georgia Bronzini winning the Prudential GP, uh, London Prudential Ride Classic GP. Um they had and because she in that case um beat Voss, out sprinted Voss to take the win. And I loved the mountain bike. There was some really good. I was gonna say bike. all the downhill mountain bike, particularly the head to head ones, those were the ones yeah. that I loved. They were just utterly brilliant, you know. Right what what Red Bull did was they took the helmet cam of Rachel Atherton and Manon Carpenter, who were the top two riders in 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 two World Cup rounds, maybe three. 
um, where they put their runs together. So you start at the same time and you could see exactly, like next to each other, exactly where Rachel started off really well and where Manon came back. Mm -hmm. And 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 you could see um, through the, through the course as the, as the run evolved, who had the edge and, it was super interesting because you were seeing the different ways that they handled sections and, and stuff, but also um, it made quite clear in a lot of ways their relative strengths and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, Rach, Rach, had, Rach, had got, Rach caught, I blame Australia, Rach had caught some hideous virus flying out to Australia for the Cairns round. Mate, she if just... all she caught was a hideous virus, she got off fucking lucky. Yeah, well, stinging trees. Are, I never knew no, are you kidding? There was a news story here like two weeks ago of a couple who were camping in the Northern Territory and a wild pig got into their campsite, busted into their cooler, drank all their beer and then tried to sexually assault a cow. <laughs> Australia, <laughs> mate. <laughs> you're going camping in the bush in a month or two, aren't you? Next yeah, about, uh, in about three weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so awesome. down there, but... If Dan never comes back, he's been sexually assaulted by a drunken wild boar. Yes, yeah. Or, you know, and and settled down happily ever after. I mean, you know, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I am but, getting I am getting as you as you need to do before you go camping in Australia a new a new axe and hunting knife. <laughs> oh come on, Dan. You any excuse for you to get a new axe and hunting knife. Well, yeah, but I'm Australian, you know. Ah, you're a boy. <laughs> So yeah, so um, yeah, so anyway, Rachel Atherton had been sick, and she, um, so she wasn't as strong as she normally is. So you'd have these things where where Rachel would be blasting through the first half of the course, but Manon would Manon would come back in the second half. But just watching the difference in their lines and the difference in their style, I mean, Rachel just glides, and oh, well, the I thing mean, I found amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There were two key things that I found really, really interesting. One was that, in my opinion, um, I would say that there was a clear difference in that Rach is much more fluid through the technical sections of the course, but Manon hits a higher speed um, as the courses open up. And and I think that's what makes it so interesting for me watching the head-to-head is because they're neck and neck depending on you know the weighting of the course and stuff and and there's very little things that that make the difference overall there but the other thing that i i found really really super interesting um was the way that the helmet cam um i you know through i guess the combination of the bike suspension but also the the riders you know bodily suspension smooths things out so much like you, yeah. you know, you'd see these huge jumps but there'd be no like i was expecting sort of big boom you know, kind of landings that shook around and stuff, and no. That's one of the things Rach Atherton said, because I was saying on Twitter how much I loved it, and she said, yeah, what I love seeing, and she said, I like, you know, you can see, I like seeing this, how the suspension works. (laughs) 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 But No, but what I thought was incredible as well was that Rach and Manon allowed it. Because yeah. imagine that! Imagine how much of a benefit that gives you to be able to see like the best, you know, Rach Atherton, who just to dominate isn't a strong enough word, but just dominated last season. Mm. Um, really, won pretty much every. I think there was one World Cup she didn't win, um, and she was, you know, and 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 then Manon's like Manon's this year's world champion. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and, and the, in um, a couple of these races that that we had the footage of, the margins were incredibly slim too. So. Oh my god! Yeah, like less than a second, and mm. and so 
and so you're like yeah so Rachel, Rachel and this is the thing about mountain bike because a lot of the mountain bike you know Rachel's Rachel's published her helmet cam before of just her round her, her ride but being able to put it head to head like that and allowing them to put it head to head is just I mean it's so nice it's something I think about the mountain bike community is that they they really you know you could think no no I'm not going to do that it would help me but I actually think yeah a people really want to see this b who cares you know <laughs> if someone else if someone else gets an advantage from it I'll just have to work harder to beat them well that's the thing isn't it you know like it really just keeps you motivated to stay at the top of your game doesn't it so yeah 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 and anyway so you know massive shout out as always to Red Bull um, who stream all the World Cups live and who have tons of stuff on their Red Bull bike, um, all their mountain bike World Cups, tons of stuff on their Red Bull bike page and just make mountain bike incredibly easy to love. So thank you. Awesome. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, I've, I've actually else? lost track of whose turn it is. So. Um, my turn. <laughs> Let's say it's your turn, yes. Uh, no, actually, should we talk about things we didn't like? Oh, okay. So is this kind of like the this is this is like the interlude where you know yeah yeah and that that way we finish on a high. So yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So I do have I do have a couple of things I wasn't so happy with. I mean, one was speaking of mountain bike, um, the death of Anna Fleur Calvin Haar, young Dutch rider, um, cyc mm. uh, cyclocross under twenty three European champion this year, and she died in um, she died in. Um, in Maribel, uh, in the eliminator, because yeah. round she just she just she just crashed badly, and my all our thoughts with her friends and family and loved ones, and you know it's just it's just a reminder. You know she didn't do anything wrong. Mm. She just made a mistake. She's wearing her helmet. She's it's just it's a difficult it's a dangerous sport, and it is a dangerous sport. And you know our mm. our thoughts our thoughts with her friends and family because that was it really hit the it really hit the sport hard and and the road you know road cyclocross and mountain bike because she'd ridden them all yeah yeah, um, yeah just just tragic so that's that's my first one mm. and it's, i just feel like i need to have a moment i guess yeah yeah um my second one was that we are not out of the woods yet in terms of women's road cycling um the fact that specialized lululemon have you know can't get still don't have sponsors for next year you know and basically ended up crowdfunding for surpass their money for next year it's just a, a really important reminder that we're not in a great we're not in a great place yet we're, we're in a much better place mm. but that mm. can't be um people can't be uh yeah, complacent. Can't, get, can't get complacent yet absolutely absolutely yeah. And I still um, maintain that the you know the business case is clear that there is a huge opportunity for for savvy um, sponsors to to really make you know strong inroads with uh, with the sport as as partners. So hopefully we yeah. see more good news in that regard. Yeah, I mean I think one of the things is is, is I spoke to um, Helen Wyman uh, in a, in an interview um, uh, was. And she was saying that with with cyclocross in Belgium, 
people keep talking about growing the audience, but they've pretty much reached saturation point in terms of the men's audience. You know, they can maybe pick up a couple of 10,000 more. But there's this huge gap in the market, which is women, which can which do something else. They've got these characters, they've got these personalities, they've got this really super exciting racing. And she's saying that, you know, it's the obvious thing. If you want more money and more audience and more return on investment, go for the women. It's yeah. also, in terms of return on investment, the amount of money you'd have to put in to get men's cycling to get bigger mm-hmm. versus the amount of money you have to put in to get women's cycling you know what i mean exactly exactly like you know it it is literally the red bull principle in terms of of mountain bike where they own an entire discipline well someone theoretically would have the opportunity to to have their brand inextricably linked with women's road cycling if they wanted to or women's cyclocross if they wanted to or both or or whatever you know like it's all doable yeah Mm, absolutely well look um one of my lowlights was i was I was pretty disappointed with the um, well. This is kind of kind of difficult to explain, but I was pretty disappointed with uh, the announcement that came from Brian Cookson about his you know twelve months as um, you know president of the UCI and his promise to implement a minimum wage for for women's teams. Now, with saying that, I do add a massive caveat, which is. I absolutely agree and genuinely believe that before that can be tackled, absolutely, you've got to address the issue of there not being appropriate tiers for teams um, in the UCI classification system. Is now totally get that you've got to address that first. My my real disappointment with it though is that that announcement wasn't accompanied by any sort of formalized plan for change. Like, what's what's the plan and timeline for this happening? I mean, we've got we've got vague things of by 2018 or, or whatever. I would have really appreciate it and and i don't think it would have been too much to ask to have actually a couple of significant milestones and dates set down and this is what we're aiming for this is what we're planning to do yeah i i I do take your point but it wasn't an announcement it was something that he said in an interview well yeah and actually no that's to be fair you're right he does give shit interviews and um and says stupid things on twitter which is my other gripe so you know yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, you might have heard this was polemica around Cookston saying no, um, he announced that he did, he didn't put his case across very well. And the UCI is terrible at announcing these things. But, you know, I talked to Chrissy Scrimger, who's on the UCI Women's Commission, um, Women's Commission, and she kind of put it in the context of, yeah, we're not putting a blanket minimum wage in straight away. What we're working to do is to have two, is to have at least two, maybe three layers of women's teams with the top pro layer having a minimum wage. Yep, which exactly, it makes perfect sense. I mean, we've literally been saying that on this podcast for three years. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Yeah, so, so yeah, what was your other Cookson and Twitter? Oh, just, you know, I mean, I don't want to rehash it, but that was my other low light, was just the, the sheer fucking stupidity of his tweets about, you know, the, the poor photo of the Colombian team's kit. Um, when, I mean, I, I get there's a lot of factors. I get social media is fairly immediate, but would it have killed him to look for a second photo or verify with a different source or, I don't know, ask someone from the UCI who's responsible for registering the team whether or not we'd vetted the, the kit? I mean, jeez, yeah. it's not that fucking hard to just ask someone before you make a statement, but no, uh, not fit for any standards of decency or something like that was what any he said? Any standards of human decency. Yeah, fucking... 
right, so it's okay for goats? Like, just... But also, but I mean, there is so much hypocrisy about it as well. I mean, if you don't remember, if you managed to miss it, congratulations. I, I, uh, uh, but, you know, a gold portion of the kit, when shot in bad light and worn as a skin suit, looked, in inverted commas, flesh colour, because it didn't even look like the flesh of five of the six riders, because they're from Colombia. You know, Colombia, yes. you know what I mean? It's like, even if you... I mean, there's such a racist thing about flesh color anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. There's, color? there's like so many different tones because obviously we all look different. It's so yeah. Yeah, and they had a very, you know, they had everyone from very, very dark skinned, you know, very, very dark skinned w women on the team to a very, very pale. I think she's a redhead. Um, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't neither. You know, it was neither of those two girls' women's flesh color. And yeah. it was, the kit had been designed by a member of the team, and people just went, oh my god, you know. This is a sport where I can literally, where I've seen more men's genitalia. Oh, than anyone wants to. Oh, good God. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, we, there's jokes about, there's jokes about, you know, the guys in second and third pointing to the winner. There's jokes about communicating yeah, with or, 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 or team photos where the guys have all obviously been told to dress the same way, you know, all, all dressed to the left for the team photo or whatever. You know, like, it's, it's utterly, utterly ridiculous. But also, you know, then, the, the factor, the, the factor of... You know, other people just piling on, and it, you know, it, it was just the classic storm in a teacup. But this is part of my gripe with with Cookson is that if of anybody, I would expect the the president of the UCI to actually pause before responding. I get yeah, the but, pressure of social media, but you know, and and also that you've then got you know um, nominal spokespeople for women's cycling, you know, like Catherine Bertine or whatever, going, I've written a strongly worded email and and stuff, and sort of putting the pressure on. But yeah, still. I, that, that, I mean, I think that what frustrated me about that was was that Catherine Bettine in her Twitter feed was saying that she felt that the women had been pressurised into wearing a kit they didn't want to wear, and it was outrageous and shocking. And she's a journalist, man. You know, like all I, I mean, I, I do have another caveat that I, I've just finished a photography degree this year, so if I see a photo like that where it's in bad light and the the, the contrast looks like you know it looks like a camera phone. I, you know, of course, surely the first thing is to see if you can get another picture of them in that kit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's, or it's even not... find out the backstory. I mean, and it is a fair point too. If you if you're a, a journalist, then I mean, you know, it's the old journalist joke, isn't it? If your mum says she loves you, get a second source. <laughs> you know, fucking verify. That's the job. So and, and it is, that and is one of my favourite journalism quotes. I mean, it's not to it's not to let Cookson off the hook. But he and, and he said in his interview he felt damned if he did and damned if he didn't. But I just wish he'd handled it better. I wish he'd at least checked it and gone, you know. Because imagine if Cooks, you know, this ended up well, on see, this, is, this is my issue with it though is that you know it's not that hard. And it goes back to one of my broader things, which is I think generally speaking the UCI has a problem with its comms. Um, they just don't oh, do comms oh. well. And you know because it wouldn't have killed Cookson to actually you know the immediate response isn't it's it it. it you know, it goes against all standards of human decency. The immediate response is we're researching um, exactly what the history of the kit is and we'll report back as soon as we have a finding, you know. Yeah, oh, here's a photo or, or, or you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, here's, here's another photo of the kit. It appears that it's not like that in real life. Because the other thing that people were complaining about is people who didn't know cycling were complaining about the um, 
the exaggerated mons, you know, the fact that the the fact that the, the you're wearing chamois. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, that looks like an exaggerated vagina. And you're like, well, A, it's not a vagina, but B, it's, 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 yeah. oh, God. Anyway, yes. Can I do my other cooks and thing that I'm disappointed with? Oh, hey, well, let's go with the flow. Yeah, let's roll with it. And um, paracycling. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm not laughing at paracycling. It's important to me that we distinguish that. I'm laughing at because, of course, we're going, we're going to, to mention that as a low light because, oh, my fucking God, what a low light. Oh my god, so many lowlights. I mean, paracycling has been messed around by the UCI for, you know, it's it's basically, five years ago, women's cycling was in the same place as paracycling is now. Yeah, it's just that women's cycling has got like the media, you know, kind of a media buzz around it that they've had to actually feel like they have to show they're doing something. Poor paracyclists. Um, these are things that have happened this year. Yeah? Yeah. They announced that they were so last year they this this year we actually did have a track world championships yay um which was amazing because it's the first one since the um since it was the first uci level event since before the uh before the paralympics in 2012 oh wow um, and so they announced that they're going to have a track world champs uh, in 2015 and in 2016 hurrah you say but then the track world champs in 2016 is going to be on an outdoor velodrome in Pietermaritzburg in South Africa and you're like okay an outdoor velodrome is difficult anyway and we saw that yes. with the European champs which were inexplicably well not inexplicably but were in Guadalupe in the French Caribbean um, and uh, yeah and so basically you don't have banking and stuff like that and weather plays a part which is which is hard enough if you're able-bodied, but if you're also, you know, if you're kind of, if you're disabled as well, so if you have balance issues or if you just don't have as much physical strength, then yeah, being at the mercy of the elements is perhaps not the best way to go. But okay, okay, but I'm angry about that. And then it turns out that that 2015's paracycling track world champs is in Appledorn, and um, riders suddenly noticed that there was all sorts of stuff online about how the apple dawn track is in the middle of being resurfaced mm, yes so that's not going to be okay so they're not so where are they going to have the 2015 track world champs you know in britain we are now when derby opens we're going to have four race standard velodromes uh-huh international race standard velodromes. right right i think i think in australia i think you've got two or three uh, we've got two on the eastern seaboard. I'm not sure if we actually have one in the west. I, I genuinely don't know that. So, so, so you know, and, and it's especially bad as a Brit because you know we banged on about our Olympic and Paralympic legacy, mm. and basically the um, the Paralympic legacy is you don't get to ride, you don't get to race, and especially interesting because they might not get to race in the Paralympics because the UCI forgot to put in the paperwork asking for paracycling to be part of the 2016 Paralympics. Great way to make our Paralympic athletes feel like they're respected by their governing body. Woo! Yeah, so I am, um, I don't know. I mean, this is just, it's just endless. It's endless. It's endless for mm. para. I'm going to be interviewing Alex Green, an Aussie paracyclist, uh, this week or next week. Oh, cool. And, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. So, And it won't just be ranting because she's fabulous. For looking <laughs> but the question is, how do you keep going and why don't you just swap to swimming? <laughs> <laughs> on my lips. That could actually be the name of the podcast, couldn't it? The, the interview. <laughs> yeah. Why did you just take up swimming? <laughs> <laughs> so true of Australian sports. It's terrible. But, but it's oh. like... It's, 
but you know, yeah. So, um, and my hats off to he's not a woman, Jodie Cundy on Twitter, who's just the most poor Jodie, just 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 ends up like turning out. He's he's the go-to guy for for going. What the actual fuck has happened now? Um, and yeah, poor dude. He's, yeah. I, so sometimes, he's like, sometimes I worry I come across as too negative, and you're like, no, Jody, you are awesome and a superstar, <laughs> and yeah, and, and wonderful. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and as are all the other parasites, because especially the Aussies, because oh my god, they don't keep quiet about this stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I guess that I guess that's possibly the one benefit of coming from from uh, a strand of the sport that's already so severely underserved is that like them. I mean, what more can they take away? They literally can't take anything else away. There's nothing left to lose. So you might as well talk up, I guess. Well, in the in the road world champs this year, they had the um the women's the women's cat the women's um the women's so so you kind of divide into categories based on how much the disability affects your cycling, yeah. Yeah. So um so your C one your category one is the most um, affected by your by by your disability, and the category five is the least, relatively speaking. And so your C four and C I think it was C four and C five women were having to race with the C one to three men. In the road world champs, so we were talking about this at the time because you're basically when you're trying to work out who you're racing against, you're trying to look at their helmets because they're color coded by um, by category, but you're also trying to look at and not standardly color coded by category either. Um, you know, <laughs> red, you yeah, yeah. things, and then you're also trying to check out whether it's a dude or a woman who's up the road. Yeah, yeah. So you know. It, I mean, awesome if awesome if one of the the things that factor in is color blindness or something like it. Just it's ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, yeah. God. Anyway, yeah. Um, so shall we go back to things we liked? Oh, I definitely need to go back to things we liked. Um, can I can I mention? I mean, I actually think this is actually a really nice transition because after we've gone on a bit of a uh, low lights and mini rant. Um, one mini ranty kind of moment in the season that I did actually quite enjoy was the the polemica we got at the Giro Rosa um, around the the, the <laughs> relative climbing tactics of uh, Rabobank versus America. So. Rob, no, it wasn't even Rabobank versus America. It was Rabobank versus Mara. Well, okay, right. I think part of, if you don't remember on the final stage of the Giro Rossa, Mariana Voss was in the lead by I want to say a minute and a half. It was against, around that, yeah. She was. She was. I think it was a minute and a half over um, over Pauline Fran Prevost. Yeah. Pauline Fran Prevost and a bit more to Anna van der Breggen. And sitting in fourth was Mara Abbott. And she'd have had to make up, it was either between, it was either a minute and 50 or it was about three minutes. For for Mara Abbott to win the Giro, she would have had to win on the final climb, the Madonna de Giusalo climb by about two minutes, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, And with three Rabo banks in front of her on the GC... Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, honestly, that was always that was always just going to be a big ask. Um, but it was an interesting stage because you know, um, someone else who Sarah is occasionally fond of because they ride uphill good um, decided to have a bit of a play. Well, what? Okay, one of my can we one of my highlights of the Giro was Emma Pooley. Yes. I am a massive, massive, massive Emma Pooley fan. Anyway, I always have been. She's one of the. She's one. She was one of my gateway drugs into the sport. She's super <laughs> clever. 
she is super funny. She's she 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 basically wins with suicide attacks and climbing really well, and she's very pithy and witty and dry sense of humour off the bike. And she was combining racing with finishing her PhD in geotechnical engineering, which she's now finished, so she's now Dr. Pooley officially. I just love and, that you describe her as a gateway drug. That's awesome. <laughs> she really is. It's like it's like I started it's like I started when I first started reading like when I first started getting into women's cycling and I started looking things up and I read about Sharon Laws and I read about Emma Pooley and I read about Marina Voss and I was like, right, yeah, this is the sport for me. I am in love with this sport. People are amazing. And yeah, I loved it. And, and Pooley is so exciting to watch. And so she had started her season late because she was finishing her PhD and she came into the Giro not having raced because last year she was um she was racing but she hadn't really i think she hadn't raced for nine months and um when she came back when she started flesh and yep. and on the first road stage of the giro stage say um after the prologue she it was a really tough 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 stage and emma got a nosebleed yeah yeah and and just and, was having a miserable day just and she basically yeah, yeah she basically raced around with this covered in blood and because she had, you know, because she had this nosebleed that was like clotting and restarting again, she had breathing problems and basically her Giro was fucked. Her GC ambitions yeah, yeah. were fucked. Giro. And which was gutting because Emma's come twice, second in the Giro twice, once to, um, to Abbott and once to Mariana Voss. And the last time Abbott and Pooley went head to head, Abbott won the Giro and Pooley won the other Grand Tour, the Pyrenean Women's Grand Tour that doesn't exist anymore, the Tour de Lode. So mm. this was like their first time to match up against each other, but it was also her time to take on Voss in the Giro since Voss beat her in 2011. 11, okay, yeah. 11. Anyway, so Pooley had been a bit fucked, and yeah, and it was gutting. But then on stage... Um, on stage six, she, which was like the first climbing stage of the day, she attacked on the very first small climb, was out solo for ages, which is a poorly move, got caught by a small group of, um, of riders, dropped them on the big climb, descended. Her descending has improved so, so much. She lost the Giro before by her descent to Voss through her descending. And she won the solo with the with a bunch, with a small group of um, Voss, Fran Prevost, Van der Breggen, a couple of, Elisa Longo-Borghini, a couple of the top riders, Mara Abbott, um, I think maybe Eddie Stevens. They so nearly caught her. Yeah. You know, it was just one of those ones where the, it was just ticking down, ticking down, ticking down. And so she won her first stage of the year, and I just, I, I did have a bit of teary eyes. Well, and then and, and went, justified teary eyes, I think. It was very cool. Yeah, and then she went on to stage eight. So that was, that was stage had a, and then we had stage eight, which was the queen stage, which was basically this big drag that they had the year before. Basically, you get to the climb, and then you just climb up it, and it's just endless, unstopping. And it was Abbott. And it ended up with Abbott versus Pooley. And Anna van der Breggen had escaped halfway up the climb, chasing Megan Garnier, and Garnier had been caught. And Abbott and Pooley caught van der Breggen with 2K to go and dropped her in the last K. And then Pooley just outclimbs Abbott to win. And so on the final stage, which Madonna del Gisalo climbed, they, it, it had been fascinating because you saw... Um, uh, 
teams were not giving up. So Liv Shimano, who's Claudia Hauschler, Claudia Lichtenberg, as she is now. Claudia had won the Giro before as well. She's a former Giro winner. Yep. I think 2008. And um, Claudia, they just basically managed... So, so the Madonna del Gisalo climb, very, very famous in men's cycling. It has an incredibly steep bottom section. Then a tough, tough, long climb, but it's not that steep. Then it has a section where it actually has a descent, you know, a little bit of a descent and a flat out bit. Yep. And then the final climb is just steep switch switchbacks. And you come under the Madonna del Gisalo Chapel, which is a chapel dedicated to the Madonna of cyclists. And the bells ring and people are watching on this and it's just switchbacks going up and up. I think it's on Lake Como. You know, it's just. It's just gorgeous is what it is. Just to die for. And anyway, so um, so Liv Shimano basically and and Rabobank muted the bottom section of the climb because they had their riders. Liv Shimano hitting it incredibly fast, so teams, so United Healthcare and Lotto Abbott and Pooh's team had to scramble. They they were they were racing. They were in the red before they you know before they even got to it just to get to the bottom of the climb. And then Rabo sent Kasia Neodoma, young Polish climber, up to just kill it up the bottom of this climb. That was her job. Yeah. So rather than racing each other, they were racing this young Polish rider because they knew that if Neodoma got away, it was she all over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so clever. So you end up, so you end up, you end up blah, 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 dropping off riders, attacks, attacks, attacks. So around halfway up the Madonna del Gisalo climb, you've got Pooley, Abbott, the Mariana Voss, Pauline Frempavot, and Anna van der Breggen, all from Rabobank. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the devil's breakaway, isn't it? If, you, if you're not Rabo. <laughs> and and Pooley looks at this and goes, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to play for this. And, yeah. attacks, and just she just, oh, look, you know, I'm going to get completely slaughtered and attacks. And she goes off the road. And there was that moment where Pauline Frempavot so you've got so the the, the hill is on the left hand side yeah so Puli attacks and goes and gets away and it's like this slow burn attack you know up up it and yeah and Puli Framrebo starts chasing her but she starts chasing her and moves to the right hand side of the road Mm. you know the outside of the road which is a clear clear thing which so they get to where you know they they, they kind of make a little bit of ground on Puli and then it's not that they let her go it's just that Pauline Framrebo was saying you know basically saying a strong message Abbott you want her Go and get her. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because, you know, for them, they literally had no reason in the world. I mean, they could let her dangle at four minutes and not even worry. You know, yeah, like it's, it was it's five minutes down or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it just wasn't going to matter. They had literally no reason to chase her except for, you know, the glory of the stage win, which yeah. they just didn't need. So, yeah. and, and it's not like they stopped chasing her, but there was this, this clear moment where they're on the wrong side of the road saying to yeah. Abbott, you want it? You go for it. And then Abbott didn't. And this, well, is and, and, and this is where the polemica begins because, you know, some people feel that, that subsequently, you know, Abbott got a raw deal and got boxed in and, and stuff. And, and there are different ways to interpret specific moments of the climb. And I'm, I, I'm not really that interested in rehashing the thing because overall, to me, it just seems abundantly clear watching the video that, that Abbott just couldn't do it. Um, no, there were three. I mean, there were two. I mean, what happened was Abbott got played because going up this mountain, you've got Pauline Frampravot, who got a bit overexcited, and Anna van der Breggen on front, Marina Voss and 
and Amara Abbott behind and Voss is clearly hanging on Voss is clearly kind of like you know just just doing everything she can to hang on she's not part of this game yeah. you know she's yeah. just she is just suffering like a dog because it's it's killing her it's hurting her but by god she's gonna make it on mental prowess but yeah and there were two or three times where when Abbott tried to pull out so Abbott would kind of try and pull out and Pauline would look and just move across and Pauline was being super intimidating her her head was just flicking backwards and forwards continually she was definitely in charge but the thing is what Abbott couldn't do because it's not her style of riding was drop back move round or push through you know she was nearly pushed off the road that didn't happen but I think part of the problem was that a lot of American men's journalists who weren't watching the race decided that they but decide and they decided already that Abbott was going to win the Giro because they don't really follow women's cycling decided that the only way Abbott could have not won the Giro was by dirty deeds <laughs> well you know look regardless of how it happened I I enjoyed the fact that it caused a bit of controversy which meant a lot more people looked at it and paid attention to it and went well it's interesting isn't it um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, so that's why that's on my list. It's not out of any particular malice to anyone or or evil glee. I know, I, I know, I represent a genuine love of evil a lot of the time, but that's not my reason here. My reason here is simply that I thought it was really cool that we got to this point where where we could have, you know, serious enough rivalry that it was blowing up in the press. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Now, and that leads me to my last, and it kind of segues into my last. My well, it's not my last, but my last for today because we are massively over time. Um, moment, which is the riders who hit their potential this year. Yeah. Oh well, j- just uh, can I lead off that segment then? Because that will also cover off my last one. Because my last one's like a total. What's the What's the thing you call it when it's when it's not a humble brag, where you're just gloating? What's that? Um, gloating. Oh right, yeah. Well, I'm gloating. So my last highlight of the season is the one I'm most proud of, which was accurately calling the winner of the Worlds. <laughs> to be fair, I predicted her too. Yeah, but she wasn't your pick, and she was my pick on the podcast. So I'm claiming that as Dan Effect, like, you know, me being awesome one race of the year. So I feel like I can get away with that for one race. Yeah, um, Pauline Franprevot winning. I mean, Pauline Franprevot. One of my, my final thing is riders who hit their potential, and there were loads of them. But Pauline Franprevot had this incredible year. She won Flesh Wallon in a two, you know, in that, in that two-up sprint with Lizzie Armstead. And afterwards, her DS Chris Murenhout said that Pauline suffers from a lack of confidence. And one of the problems I think Pauline had. This is purely speculation. Is that Pauline was the junior world champion in pretty much everything she was world champion twice in junior mountain bike junior world champion once on the road um european champion in itt silver medalist junior world champion in itt possibly twice um she just was superstar yeah but it's very very hard we've talked about this before it's very very hard to transition from the road to the from, from juniors to the to seniors you know, there's so much against you. You go literally straight from racing on junior gears and junior distances to racing Mariana Voss and Lizzie Arnottstead and Ellen Van Dyke. And yeah, so Pauline just, I think, I think she gained her confidence because she won two mountain bike world World Cups this year. She won the under 23 European mountain bike champs. And then she became road world champion. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and it is actually going to be really interesting to see how the next couple of years evolve her because she's indicated that she wants to do more mountain bike in the coming year, doesn't she? So Yeah, yeah, she yeah. loves mountain bike and she also thinks that riding two disciplines makes her a better rider. Mm. So, um, yeah, um, Pauline, and but she wasn't the only one. At no, once no. Her potential. Lisa Brunauer. When Lisa's another, she's a former uh, junior ITT world champ. So again, she's hardly come out of nowhere. But she's, you know, Lisa's been Lisa's been the most consistent rider for specialised Lululemon last year when everything went to shit with, you know, Ina very injured, Evie injured, Trixie Warwick injured. It was Ellen Van Dyke and Lisa that just whose performances saved the team, and she's been consistently brilliant all year. But when she she was part of the specialised Lululemon squad that won the team time trial. And then when she won the World ITT Champs, especially because she beat Anna Sorkfest. <laughs> Which, yeah. oh, yes, uh, thank the gods of cycling again. Yeah, and Anna Solovey, if you don't know, she was, again, a junior superstar, Pauline's big rival, because they were in the same junior year, raced everything, got caught through steroids in when she was 19, came back not tested in the, during her testing period during her ban period came back age 21 to win the last year to win the under 23 european itt champs by a disturbingly large way um you know and then she hasn't ridden all some, year some would suggest almost an implausibly large yeah, well, and yeah. the thing is though is, is if you're taking steroids while your body's still growing they have a permanent effect on your body and then if you're not being tested out of out of season, you can carry on, you know, and in your ban period and when you're not racing, you can carry on racing. You can you can take your steroids, stop taking your steroids so they don't show up on drugs tests, but keep training at a high level so you keep the effects. So when a rider who's formerly been banned from steroids hasn't ridden on the road all year and comes back to to blast through the world ITT champs, it looks a bit suspicious. So and Lisa, Lisa pulled it back. Lisa put, so there was like literally three riders, I think three or four riders on the road who could do it. And Evie Stevens only just didn't. And then Lisa, who's such a nice rider, just, oh, just pulled back her time in the last segment of road of the ITT and won. And oh my God, I, I just was yelling at the telly. Oh, Lisa. And she's such a nice rider. She's genuinely liked by 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 her rivals she's great and then she came second in the road race as well she came away from worlds with two golds and a silver i just oh lisa oh, i'm so happy awesome and the other two uh two other riders i just want to pick out as as, as 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 fulfilling their potential two dutch riders um they were both the same they're kind of the same era they both rode on our uh, came up through our uh, uh, drink leontine.nl um chantal black and and uh, lisa brunauer and um chantal black had won one of the drenta races and then she won the and then she was part of the win world cup ttt winning specialized lululemon squad at the, the vigorda world cup ttt and then she won the vigorda road race in yeah. in super attacking style really really beautiful riding i loved 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 watching her and was so happy for her but also lucinda her former teammate lucinda brand who won plue but brand had while rabo had attacked all the way through the spring classics their one goal was to win a race before voss came back at flesh 
and they hadn't done it and they hadn't done it and they hadn't done it they hadn't won anything it was it was kind of like they'd attacked they tried they'd worked really hard and yeah. then well i mean that was that was almost our whole first third of the season was what the fuck's up with rabbo <laughs> you know it's like amazing the, yeah but but lucinda um Lucinda attack Lucinda just in in one of her trademark suicide attacks attacked in um the energy walk tour and won a stage and then went on to win the race her first UCI race literally the last chance they had to win before Voss came back at flesh and then for Brands to win the final round of Plue which she had attacked so many times she kept getting dropped she attacked on hills she attacked on descents she attacked on the flat and then she got dropped and came back and dropped and came back. And the last time she came back, she just blasted through and won solo. And again, I had tears in my eyes. It was glorious. But to see riders like Fran Pavot, Black, Brown, Brunauer step up. You know, Yolene de Hoare doing really, really well mm, this year. Mm. You know, Barbara Gurishi. Yeah. There are so many riders who... Well, and it's, it's it's a huge part of why I'm so excited for next year already, you know. Uh, yeah. You because know, this goes back to your earlier highlight about the World Cup, you know, so many different riders and, and stuff. We're just seeing the real growth of, of strength across the, the whole peloton and, and so many different teams with different cards to play and different ways to win races. It's really exciting. It is, and it's just – and it's really good – I mean – it's wonderful. Leah Kirchman, and, and all over the world, you know, Leah Kirkman, who... Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Leah was in, in Canadian work, Nationals Weekend, won the Crip, the ITT, and the road race, and then she was third in La Course, you mm, know? Mm. Um, Asham Ullman, the first rider from South Africa and Africa to ever be on the podium at the Commonwealth Games in, in the women's cycling, you know? Like, by, you know, coming coming third in the road race there. Um, Lizzie Armitstead. yeah. Yeah, winning her, winning the first round of the Ronde van Drenthe, and then coming second in Binder and Flanders and Flesh, and winning, winning the World Cup series and winning Commie Games. You know, it's there is it's just, just so awesome. many. It, it honestly, so many, so many things to celebrate and enjoy about the year. It's been incredible. Yes, and um, thank you very much, dear listener, for listening and joining and and mm. being part of that with us because obviously you our Twitter friends, people we know on Twitter and talk to on Twitter, people who talk to on Podium Cafe, people who get involved in the podcast, thank you. Thank and do you. and do share your highlights with us too because there's bound to be stuff we've missed or, or whatever or even just things that you like differently, you know, um, and it is part of what to enjoy. Also, um, as Sarah alluded to at the at the start, this does sort of uh, herald the the sort of slowdown of our our regular podcasting um to do with the road season but stay tuned because sarah's uh series of interviews will be continuing and um and we'll be also looking into you know um continuing some some coverage of cross and and other events as they ensue so we're you know we might slow down a little bit we're not going away yeah, Dan. Dan's, Dan likes to take his summer off less because bless him, he needs you need to, don't you, dear? I, I need you to go camping. I've got a, go a, yeah, I've I've got a new axe and a, a hunting knife that need to, you know, go camping. Yeah, Dan. Dan needs to go. Dan needs to go camping and, and mm. take a break. I'm going to be interviewing people throughout this throughout the winter, and we'll be doing. You know, we'll we'll be coming back to do some more podcasts over the winter. We've got things like the calendars of next year to talk about. We've got teams next year to talk about. We've got the results of our women's cycling survey. All sorts of things like that. And in the meantime, of course, you can follow us on our website, prowomenscycling.com. 
com and on our twitters i'm underscore pigeons underscore dan is dan w official thanks for joining us we'll talk to you soon bye bye bye